there's just so much to know and it's one of those things you don't know it until you're told it. And because it's a line of credit, it's very flexible. I use it when I want. I can repay it when I want. Um, I can repay just the interest because that's the minimum, or I could repay more than the interest. If anyone has ever purchased a home and gotten a mortgage, they have done this strategy before. They've used the home as collateral, as the asset, and they've borrowed against it through a lending institution. So in an IFA, because the whole life policy comes with the cash value, the investment, that is used as the collateral, as the asset. And it's almost like you're mortgaging your life insurance. You're going to borrow against your own cash value, your own investment, and a life insurance company is going to loan you money against that. It's, you know, the, the kind of the a neat way to think about it. It's almost like a financial Swiss army knife. There's so many different ways you can use it. It's not just, you know, kind of like a black and white cookie cutter approach. Some people use it for tax efficient retirement income. Some people use it to buy property. Some people are using it more for the life insurance perspective of it. financial health doc welcome to the financial literacy podcast for health care professionals where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo Welcome everybody back to How's My Financial Health Doc uh, podcast and uh, YouTube uh, channel. I'm your host, Vukia uh, Tran, and I'm very happy to have you guys back on. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about IFA, so Immediate Finance uh, Arrangement. Uh, and I have with me today, Michael Dutra. But that's a very short intro and doesn't do Michael justice. So, Michael, why don't you give yourself an introduction and explain to us uh, what you do? Uh, thanks a lot, Vu. I appreciate that. That was a pretty nice introduction. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Michael Dutrip. Uh, I've been practicing for uh, 11 years now, and my specialty has always been incorporated business owners and medical professionals. Uh, I've always worked with them for, for the past decade. You know, when it comes to estate planning and life insurance, some people maybe hear that term and it can be generalized. There's, there's a lot of detail within that. I've always tried to bring that wow factor when showing a concept or a strategy or an idea involving life insurance and estate planning. And, and that's kind of the goal of mine is to really make people's eyes kind of open up and, uh, and inform them and educate them because there's, 
there's just so much to know. And it's one of those things you don't know it until you're told it. When it comes to estate planning and, and passing down assets and succession planning and you know taxes in your estate, incorporating that with life insurance in your corporation, your trust, there's so many moving parts, but there's so much value that can be added to, to yourself, to your family, to your estate. Um, it's one of those things that it's just such an important topic. And I find so many people are very interested in, in receiving good information uh, about that. So hopefully today we can shed some, some light on uh, some pretty interesting topics for your listeners. Well, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to have this chat. You nailed the, the nail on the head on a few points. One, as healthcare professionals, we don't know a lot about these things. So we don't know what we don't know. And so I'm here to learn today as well. Uh, and the second thing you've talked about is estate planning. As healthcare professionals, we make a good income and we make a steady income. So the accumulation part is not an issue for us. Is really the distribution. What do I get at the end of all this? Tax planning and mitigating the tax burden is uh, crucial for our financial security. So I'm very happy to have you on today. Thank you. Before we jump into the topic of IFA, I want you to explain to us, maybe in your own words, you know, what's a whole life insurance? Because there's a lot of misconceptions out there of life insurance and whole life insurance. So give me your thoughts on what you think it is and, and, and how we can use it to our benefit. For sure. And, and you're right. When people hear the term life insurance, it, it, it kind of gets generalized a little bit. And you have your term insurance, which is for a very specific purpose. And then you have your permanent life insurance. And, and within the permanent side, whole life is, is one of the options. Now, whole life insurance lasts forever. It doesn't expire. It doesn't increase in price. But I think most importantly, or certainly one of the more important factors about it is the fact that it comes with an investment account. The cash value is, is what it's called. So when people think of life insurance or any sort of you know, fixed expense, they kind of think mentally it's money out the door. They're not really going to receive anything while they're alive. They really only benefit or their family only benefits, you know, knock on wood, if, if they were to pass away. Whole life insurance is, is very different in the sense where, you know, I want you to, to use the cash value, the investment during your lifetime. You're, you're supposed to, and you're supposed to buy properties with it or retirement cash flow or, you know, for emergencies. You, you want to use that, that uh, investment component of it as, as well. And it, it grows tax-free, even if it's in your corporation or your hold co or your family trust, which is a which is a huge benefit to it as well. Um, but yeah, overall whole life insurance, it, there's a lot of misconceptions about it. You know, your corporation can and most likely should pay for it or your or your hold co or, or trust. Um, and we'll get into maybe some of the details when I share some slides, but it, it's you know the, the kind of the a neat way to think about it. It's almost like a financial Swiss army knife. There's so many different ways you can use it. It's not just you know, kind of like a black and white cookie cutter approach. Some people use it for tax efficient retirement income. Some people use it to buy property. Some people are using it more for the life insurance perspective of it. We're going to get into the capital dividend account credit you receive as well if it's corporately owned. So there's a lot of things you can do with it. And, and sometimes almost, I wish they renamed it. You know, you hear the word life insurance or whole life and, and it's, it's been around for so long that uh, it almost needs a bit of a, a brushing off to, to rename it because it's not so much important as what it's called. It's, it's more important as what it does. And, uh, and today in the podcast, we'll get, we'll get into what it does. 
Absolutely. I think you make a good point. One, there's a lot of misconception around it. Uh, people understand term insurance because it's easy to understand. Uh, but when you talk to people about life insurance, that's all they associate with. They associate with term uh, and they don't associate or they don't understand term uh, life insurance or whole life. And so it's it, the name is very misleading. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of things you can do with it. And I like your analogy of the financial Swiss army knife. Uh, that's a very good analogy. It's really clear to me what that means. So now that we talked about uh, whole life, Let's talk about uh, the CDA account. So for incorporated professionals, what is a CDA account and how does it benefit us? So a CDA account, it stands for a capital dividend account. And I would say in my experience, it's one of the most misunderstood or un underutilized features of a corporation. And many business owners or medical professionals, just really what it is in essence, if you have a credit towards your CDA account, let's say you have a corporation, and there's a million dollar credit you get to your CDA. And we'll talk on how you get the credit. But if there's a credit to the CDA, that means you're eligible to transfer out of your corporation or hold co up to that credit, up to that million dollars on a tax-free basis. So if you think about that, if you were to pull out a million dollars in a regular dividend, you're going to owe you know, 40, 50% in taxes. So to get a credit to this account, and now you're able to remove assets up to that credit on a tax-free basis, is a significant advantage. And when a corporation or a hold co owns a life insurance policy or owns a whole life policy, it can be termed as well, and is the beneficiary, when those proceeds are paid to the corporation, the CDA gets a credit. Now, depending on the type of insurance policy, it's more or less equal to the life insurance amount. It might be a little bit less uh, in the early years of the policy, but overall, conceptually thinking, the credit's gonna be very similar to what the life insurance amount paid to the corporation is. So now the, the business owner or the medical professional, they have the option to transfer cash out. It could be properties. It could be the life insurance proceeds, depending on what they're going to do with the corporation. Maybe they're keeping the corporation and their adult children will be shareholders and it's better to have the cash in the corporation. And maybe they wanted to remove a property, an office, something like that through the CDA credit they get. You know, in, in my perspective or in my experience, everyone would rather have this credit than not. If it just means owning a life insurance policy to get this credit, it's it's kind of a no-brainer. So other than uh, life policies, what mm -hmm. other type of asset would qualify to increase my CDA account in a corporation? Re really good question. So the, the I would say the second most common would be the non-taxable portion of a capital gain. Yeah. So if you have stocks or investments and you cash it out, half is taxable. The other half will credit the CDA. It can also be the non-taxable portion of eligible capital property, which could be goodwill, for example. And then the other uh, fourth option would be other capital dividends received from other corporations. So there's there's four primary ones um, I would say are the most common for sure. And life insurance, corporately owned life insurance happens to be one of the four ways you get a CDA credit. Got it. Thank you very much for that explanation. So if I understand this well, if I have a life policy owned through my corporation for $1 million, conceptually, we're thinking that $1 million would 
be in the CDA account? Uh, if I have 5 million, would that entire 5 million also be qualified for the CDA account? From a high level perspective, that's a fair way to think of it. Uh, again, if it's a whole life policy or universal life or term, the credits are going to be slightly different, mm -hmm. but generally thinking it's going to be very close, if not matching the entire life insurance proceeds, depending on the, the year, you know, someone passes it. Let's dive into the concept of IFA. So explain that to us, what that means, and we'll try to wrap it up all together with everything at the end. Someone, let's say someone recognizes the need for insurance. They know they need it. They want it. They want to buy it. And they need, you know, a million dollars or $2 million or however much the amount is. They need it for the taxes, to pay off the taxes in their estate. They want to have family protection, all that sort of thing but they don't want to be out of pocket, large premiums for the insurance. Okay. I don't know many people who are putting their hand up to want to pay, write a check for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a year to get, you know, a million plus in life insurance, but they know they need it. So an IFA is a way to get large amounts of life insurance at a very, very low net cost. It is an interest only payment on your life insurance. That's like kind of the best way to think of it. If anyone has ever purchased a home and gotten a mortgage, they have done this strategy before. They've used the home as collateral, as the asset, and they've borrowed against it through a lending institution. So in an IFA, because the whole life policy comes with the cash value, the investment, that is used as the collateral, as the asset. And it's almost like you're mortgaging your life insurance. You're going to borrow against your own cash value, your own investment, and the life insurance company is going to loan you money against that. And then you're going to take the loaned money deposit it back into your corporation. And now you, you kind of have your money back, but you're just going to be paying interest only payments on the life insurance policy. Uh, the interest can be tax deductible. A portion of the life insurance premiums can also be tax deductible in this strategy, uh, but it's essentially allowing you to get large amounts of life insurance and retain your own money for your own investments in business and, and that sort of thing. So let me just break it down for my audience here. So I'm assuming this hypothetically, I'm buying a, a permanent life insurance and it's costing me, let's say 20,000 a year. That's the premium. Sure. So I pay 20,000 a year to the life insurance carrier. And then I take a, I collateralize my cash value and my policy to this okay. same carrier or to another bank, lending bank. And I take back the 20,000 back and the deposit back into the corporation. And now I have to pay interest on that loan that I borrow from that lending company. So essentially I've paid 20,000, but I take 20,000 back, but I pay the interest on that. The 20,000 that I got back in my corporation, what do I do with it? That, that's a good question. So this strategy is for someone who is perhaps a self-investor wanting to expand their business or buy properties. If, if you're using it for an investment, that's when it makes the, the interest tax deductible. Correct. So if you're just borrowing it and it's sitting in cash, it doesn't become tax deductible. But if or or don't 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 take it and buy a Ferrari. Or or don't buy a Ferrari, yeah. Oh yeah. But so if you take that money back and then now you invest it in some investment that gives you a return, well that uh, interest rate is tax deductible 
plus yeah. you're using your own money back again to make uh, an interest, a yield on a different investment. Correct. And the loan becomes a line of credit. So you're not forced to use the entire amount right away if you don't need to. Right. Um, but it's it's possible. Right. And because it's a line of credit, it's very flexible. I use it when I want. I can repay it when I want. Right. Um, I can repay just the interest because that's the minimum, or I could repay more than the interest. Yes. Okay. So let's just say, uh, and I, if I remember well in our conversation, this is for a 10-year uh, loan, right? It's structured for 10 years. Yes. So in my example, we said 20000 a year. I'm doing this for 10 years. So after 10 years now, I own that lending company, 200000 mm-hmm. Uh What do I do then? What happens then? Well, there's a few options. So depending on what you're doing with the money the entire time, some people invest it maybe into a property. And in 10 years, the property has accumulated in value so much they wanted to sell it anyways. So when they sell the property with some of the proceeds, they pay off the loan. Some people will continue to pay the interest for years after that because it's it's such a small amount in their mind. It's, it's not a rush to pay it off. And then some people might pay off some of, some of the balance. So there's a lot of flexibility as to what you can do uh, with this outstanding balance you owe. Right. And so those who continue to pay the interest only and allow the loan to continue, I guess the loan gets paid off at the end when, when, the, when the, the person dies and the money gets paid out to the estate. That's when the loan gets repaid at that exactly. time. If, there, if the policy was for $2 million and there's, there's 300,000 owing, 1.7 million net would be paid out. The 300,000 would be, would be taken care of with the life insurance proceeds. Thank you for clarifying that. Okay, so now that we understand what a permanent life is, now that we understand the CDA, and now that we understand the concept and the structure of IFA, how do we put it together for the incorporated individual? How do we put it all together? So some of it, we, you know, briefly went over some of these points, but I always ask the question, you know, how will you pay for your life insurance? And of course there's call it the regular way, regular payments monthly or annually, you get a bit of a discount for paying on an annual basis. But what we just talked about was the other option of interest only payments. So known as the IFA, the immediate financing arrangement, similar to getting a mortgage on a home, you use your own cash value as collateral. You can borrow back anywhere from 70 to hundred percent of the premium. In some cases, you might need to put up additional collateral to get that 100%, which I'll talk on in the uh, case study that we have. It's interest-only payments. Interest can be tax deductible. A portion of the life insurance premium is also tax deductible. Now, it reduces the overall cost to about 5% of what the regular premium would cost. So for those listening or watching kind of mentally, 5% of what the premium should be, that's give or take what the cost will be. And it's ideal if if someone prefers to have their own money for their own investments. So from a client profile, I had a, a, a female, 45 year old female family doctor. Her practice was in Orangeville. She was married. Her husband is an engineer and they had three children ages five, seven and 13. So conceptually, this is what I showed her first. I showed her, okay, you recognize you need the life insurance, but you don't want to be out of pocket, the premiums. Here's what we could do instead. So she has your corporation. Now, as long as she can afford to write a check for the first year premium, she gives the premium to the insurance company. So everything in this red box is the insurance policy she just purchased. She has the life insurance and she also has the cash value. Now, because she wants the money back, she's gonna use the cash value as collateral and she's going to borrow anywhere from 70 to 100% of her premium back and deposit it back into her corporation. 
And this will be the pattern on an annual basis. As long as you can uh, write the check for the first year premium, you'll be able to borrow it back. So from a numbers perspective, uh, here's kind of a high level. And then the next slide, we're gonna get into some detailed numbers, but this was her first option without doing the IFA, just doing what's called a 10 pay, 30,000 a year, guaranteed to be paid off after 10 years, and you have the life insurance for the rest of your life. In this example, it's $30,000 a year for 10 years, so 300000 that it will be out of pocket. 300000 out of pocket. 300000 over 10 years, guaranteed. There's no uh, payments from the 11th year on. Correct. And that policy stays with them for life. For life. It's, it's like financing a car. You've, you've self-financed it after the 10th year. You own it for the rest of your life. It, it can't be taken away from you at that point. With the IFA, so writing the check for 30 but borrowing back, these are the net costs, uh, including tax deductibility and everything like that, that she would be out of pocket on an annual basis. So for those listening, the first year goes from 30000 all the way down to $1,275 net out of pocket. Michael, that, that represents roughly the interest paid on that collateral loan, correct? Yes, exactly. So these are essentially the interest costs, the net cost all out of pocket on an annual basis. So if you add up the first 10 years, she's only out $54,000, which is less than two years of, of paying, call it the regular way. Now, one thing to note as well is you don't have to borrow every single year. This is a flexible option. Perhaps the first few years you want to borrow and then start paying, or the inverse. Perhaps you have the cash flow for the next few years, but you want to know in year five or six or seven, you want to start borrowing against your own cash value to make the payments. So there's there's options there. Now, to get into the, the more detailed breakdown, the first column here is, is just the years. So I show the first 15 years, and I'm going to show the very last year at the end. This is her age for the next 15 years. You can see the annual deposits are $30,000 per year for 10 years. And in the 11th year, they go to zero. There's no more requirement. The cash surrender value is the investment. So you can see on an annual basis how the investment increases and what it would be worth you know, over the next 15 years. The total death benefit is just the life insurance amount. So again, that's increasing on an annual basis as she receives dividends into this policy. Now, the CDA credit is what we talked about. This is what the tax-free amount of life insurance would be able to come out on an annual basis. And you can see it increasing again uh, up to year 15. And it will continue to increase for the latter years uh, as well. Now, the annual loan advance, this is what she's borrowing back, $30,000 a year for 10 years. Net interest paid are the numbers that I just showed on the slide. So you can see 1275 in the first year. And then it, it peaks at about $9,000 per year and stays, it actually starts going back down to 8,000 and 7,000. Outstanding loan balance, simply what she's been borrowing on an annual basis, peaking at 300,000. Now for this scenario, based on the policy, for her to borrow all this back, she put up additional collateral. This can be as simple as a fixed income, GIC, something like that. If you have a mortgage-free property, it could be that as well. You don't have to put up collateral. There are, are policies where you can borrow still 100% against the cash value without putting up collateral. This is just, she was comfortable doing that. The net cash flow is what she's out of pocket. And the net corporation, this is the net payment 
of life insurance to the corporation, factoring in the amount owed of the outstanding balance. So for example, in the 11th year, it's a net payment of 1.1 million, but the life insurance is 1.4, it's because 300,000 is owed. So now 1.1 goes to the corporation. Now I'm gonna fast forward to the life expectancy of age 87. Now here's where it gets very interesting. You can see the cash value is about 1.7 million. The total death benefit is 2.1 million. So this policy started at $650,000 when she was 45 and it's worth 2.1 million uh, by the time she's 87. So it's you know more than tripled in value. But what's very interesting is there's 300,000 owing. So 1.8 will be paid out net. So you do 2.1 minus 300,000 is 1.8. But the CDA credit is for the 2.1. So when 1.8 gets paid net to the corporation, that can come out of the corp tax-free but there's an additional $300,000 of capital dividend account surplus, which if she had another 300,000 in cash, for example, that can also come out tax-free. It could be a property. It could be any corporate asset, essentially. Additional assets can come out on a tax-free basis, which a lot of people don't realize. And they almost plan for that in a sense like, okay, I have another million in cash I want to take out. How do we get this policy to get the CDA credit to not only take the life insurance out, but to take out the additional corporate assets I have as well. So very powerful from an estate planning perspective. I think what you showed me is the power of a permanent or whole life insurance inside a corporation corporately owned. The, the increase in the CDA credit, uh, CDA credit itself is a very powerful estate planning tool. It absolutely, absolutely is. I have just one more slide to show. So we talked about, you know, what is the capital dividend account, but just for those watching or perhaps listening, I wanted to have the, the technical definition. This is from the CRA website. It says certain dividends called capital dividends may be paid tax-free by private corporations to their Canadian resident shareholders. This means that no part of the dividend is included in, in computing the shareholder's income. So in other words, it comes out tax-free and I just list the following circumstances of how the CDA can be credited. And the fourth one being the net proceeds of a life insurance policy minus the adjusted cost basis. Thank you very much, uh, Michael, uh, for uh, showing us these slides and, and uh, giving us the illustration. The next question is, let's say I have a need or I have a want. You mentioned earlier, there may be a need or want for life insurance. Um, I have talked about that many, many times on my podcast, so we're not gonna do it here. But should I want to do this, or I'm interested in considering this, what are the risks in doing the IFA? Uh, so the, uh, this is not a strategy for everyone. I would say the younger you are, like if you're in your 20s or 30s, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it unless you plan on paying off the loan, because you don't want to carry interest for 40 or 50 years of your life or even longer. I think that would probably add up and, and wouldn't make much sense. You also have to look at the the potential risk and possibility of the interest rate changing, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road. Can you still afford to cover the interest? And uh, if you can, you know, we'll show scenarios where we add a few percentage points to the interest uh, amount just to make sure, you know, cash flow can still, can still support that. But I would say as long as you're comfortable, you know, owing debt, because there's good debt and bad debt, comfortable with the interest rate change, and then just comfortable with carrying 
the interest unless you plan on selling an asset or, or paying it back off. I would say overall, those are the three things you want to look at. So given all that, what would you say would be the ideal person or ideal scenario to consider an IFA? So I don't want to be too young, but I don't want to be too old. So when would yeah, that right. be? Yeah, probably around 45, I would start taking a look at it. As long as your your company or corporation has good cash flow as well, you don't want to be kind of lumpy as, as good years and bad years. And then maybe you're, you're a bit stressed to afford it. So if cash flow is good, assets are good, there's a, a need for the insurance in the first place. No one would do this for no reason. So you, you want to make sure you have this insurance for the rest of your life. There's an estate planning need to it. There's potential assets you want to pass down, like a family cottage or rental properties or even the corporation itself. Overall, that would be an ideal scenario uh, of someone looking into this and, uh, and being able to afford this. So if I understand well, ideal scenario are a little in mid-career, 45, 47, 50, uh, people who understand already uh, savings and investment and investment. Uh, people who have a stable cash flow and people who have a need to increase their CDA credit account. Especially like, for example, you mentioned the cottage. That's a very good example. A lot of us will buy cottages and then we want to leave it to our estate, but then we have to pay taxes on that and people don't recognize that. But if we um, use this strategy to increase that CDA account, then potentially part of the capital's gains from the cottage could be accredited to this CDA account. Absolutely. Uh, one of the most common reasons cottages can't get passed down is because the capital gain taxes are unaffordable. They bought the cottage for $100,000 20 or 30 years ago, and it's worth one or two million now. And the capital gain is just so large that they haven't planned for it. And it's, it's unfortunate because that's the family cottage, right? So in a scenario like that, uh, having the life insurance you know, if the cottage is owned in a corporation or hold co, certainly the CDA credit can help and, and can just help pay for the, the capital gain taxes owed. Well, thank you very much, uh, Michael. Uh, that was very enlightening and that was a lot of good information. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here and for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast and learning. And please share with your friends and colleagues so that everyone can benefit from it. Thank you very much. And I'll see you guys next time. Uh, if you want to leave me some comments or some suggestions for future podcasts, please email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. And I would be delighted to reply to your emails. Thank you. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.